I'll be good. Yeah. I do. I when I get tired, um, I tell really awesome jokes, and uh, you know, I I just get inappropriate and say silly things. Um, yeah, that's it. That's why we connect. Um, yeah, and I do just give you permission. Uh, you know, we're getting to know one another, so I could say a whole lot of things that you completely disagree with. So, feel, but maybe if you can save it till next week before you rebuke everything that I say. So just to leave it, give it some space to, uh, till we leave the, this side. Um, hello. Thank you for the privilege to, uh, to, to do this. Thank you for trusting me uh, with your people. Um, you know, my heart really is to speak out of our season, out of our journey as a community, and to hopefully speak into some of the season and some of the journey that you're in. Uh, I really love um, when people give me a language to what I'm going through. You know, sometimes you can be in that place and you're like, I know this is really good, and I know God's doing stuff, but I can't exactly kind of language what he's doing, and then someone can say something like, yes, that's what he's doing, and I kind of love that, and, and I get a sense, hopefully there's some things even that I'll share um, that might just help to kind of give some context even for what you're journeying through, and I'm saying all of that from a, a, from a pro- prophetic place, because I, I haven't really spent much time with any of you, um, but hopefully it blesses you in some way. And really, uh, when I was praying and, uh, and preparing, I felt like God wanted to speak into the idea of uh, the church and, uh, and this community being a journey people, being a, like a pilgrim people, and, and really even coming maybe where there's a shift in the body of Christ to understand the church in that way. Um, language is a really big thing for me. I love language, and I love the right use of language. And one of the things that we don't do in our community is call, uh, when we gather together, we don't call it church. Um, only because in all of my study of the Bible, the Bible has never referenced a gathering of God's people in one place on Sunday church. Uh, I'm okay with it. I've kind of let it go a bit. Uh, we used to have like almost like a swear jar. If you called Sunday church, you'd have to you know put money in the jar. Um, because one of the things is when we uh, call a people, a gathered people under the lordship of Christ, a people on a journey, a family, when we call it an event, then we can start to lose some of the incredibly important aspects that make the church the church. And I think one of those things is that we are a family and we're pilgrims on a journey. We're a, we're a people that God has brought together in a place geographically and he is moving us and taking us from place to place. He's growing us, he's molding us, he's shaping us. And this is something I know I shared with uh, Tim in the past, but for me, one of the distinctives of the church is the church is a family and it's not a factory. And in the way that, uh, again, sometimes the Western church has pursued um, trying to find the right model for church, trying to find the right keys to access kind of community and to get the most salvations and to grow the biggest churches. And we've created this kind of factory mentality where we just try and kind of pump out the same thing. Discipleship has become something where it's like you become a Christian, pray a prayer, here's a Bible, come along on Sundays, give your money, get involved in the ministry, do a two-week discipleship course. You know, we, we take people through pathways. And I understand there can be good elements that come out of structure, but structure doesn't create culture. 
Um, structure as well doesn't allow for the individual heart journey that a person can be on. We found early on being in a, a lower socioeconomic uh, community that we're in, um, we couldn't just, you know, say, oh, you want to become a Christian? Here's a Bible. Go away and read that and we can ask questions because people couldn't read. Uh, and people were under substance abuse. People's lives, they're just their relational lives were so messy and messed up that to get them to follow Jesus was... You know, like we had to get them out of bed in the morning, you know, like it's, 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 so it didn't kind of really, we had to get rid of these molds and think, how can we actually journey and create environments and contexts? And that for me is where family um, is so important. And God, all of the language of the New Testament is familial. You know, it's Father God and the Son, it's brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual mothers and fathers uh, in the church in that kind of way. It's a real family language that's just embedded in our understanding of what the church is supposed to be. So factories replicate, but families reproduce. And families reproduce by DNA. So that culture and that connection and that investment of one person into another, and that gets reproduced from person to person. So we love it in our, in our community. We give people the freedom to do the journey that they're on. No matter where they are, so when people come into the church, we put no expectation on them. We don't invite them to serve or to do anything. And this is you know, probably why we get a lot of burnt out Christians. You know, people have been in ministry for a long time and they come in thinking, okay, what are you going to expect me to do? And we're like, we want nothing from you. We don't want to use you in any way. We just want you to come and be part and get knitted into this family and so that you belong in this place. And it means it costs other people more, but it's worth it in the end uh, because people come to understand the church as being a family, being a people that I'm connected to. And this is why I encourage people, when it comes to finding the right church community, find your tribe, not your church. Find the right tribe and not the right church don't look for where you fit in, but find where you belong. And we often find people, it's like, yeah, I just don't feel like I fit here. And, that's, and I'm like, that's good. But do you feel like you belong? And they're like, yeah, I feel like I belong. I just don't know where I fit. It's like, well, that's good. Because maybe we need your weirdness here. You know, maybe you're really unique and that's okay and it's, a, and it's a beautiful gift from God. But if you're looking for somewhere that you fit, because sometimes we can come in and maybe we visit a church and we go, well, okay, well, I like... I like the padded wall thing. That's nice. And yeah, I'm like, oh, white Christmas tree. Yeah, I like those. And the other speakers are good. And, you know, I love the keyboard playing and the lights are nice. And there was air conditioning. That's a good, you know, thing. And, but, you know, we, we kind of start to look at oh, what sort of ministries do they have. And, and this is the thing in a, in a factory, in a kind of Christian factory culture, we look for what we can consume the best. And what will meet my tastes and meet my needs and all of those sorts of things. The problems are that our tastes often change uh, and, uh, and what we're looking for often changes depending on the season of life. But when we come looking for a family, it's like, I want to find my tribe. I want to find that people that I belong to. I want to find, and, you know, even for us, the first time we met these guys and it was like hearts knitted. It's like, you guys get us. And we get you, and, and we feel connected in that kind of way. And I think that's the thing for us as a, as a people, as the church, that we would go around and thought, I need to find my tribe. You know, we have people that travel a long way to come to our Sunday gatherings because they feel like, this is my people. And, and we don't make a big deal about our Sundays. It's like, you come because you're part of the family, but we want life to happen in the, in the every day of life, you know, to live as a missional people. But finding your tribe and not the right church 
Another thing that we've learned on our journey is the importance of yielding. I'm sorry if I'm just throwing out kind of random things, um, but this is just, I'm, I can only speak from my journey. I could do like an expository sermon on Ephesians 3 if you want me to, um, but yeah, it's good. Um, it's actually, I, I've memorized half of Ephesians 3. Yeah, I'm not going to do it for you because I know you want me to. For I, Paul, the prisoner, on behalf of you, for Christ Jesus. No, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> what we've learned, again, as a community, as we've journeyed, is, uh, is this idea of yielding to God. So yielding is about handing over control to a higher authority. And as we then journey as a yielded people, that's not a letting go, that's not a giving up, that's not a laying down, but it's a, it's a saying, I'm not the one that's primarily in control of my life. Father God is in control of my life. And a yielded people receive revelation as they journey. So again, this is something where we want to kind of know what's going to happen before we say yes to what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, we, but the, the fact is with God, as a journey people, the knowing is in the going. It's like, well, Father, we, we feel like you're saying go over there. Well, what's over there, Lord? We don't ask those questions because they're yielded to where he's leading. And we go there, and it's as we go, then we look back, and we say, I see where you took us, Father. I see where you led us. You know, we say yes to God before he has told us what he wants to do or where he wants us to go. That's what it looks like to live as a yielded follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. As Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, doesn't mean he always knew what the Father was doing. He just saw what the Father was doing, and he went along with that. But the importance and, and the necessity to be led by God as a community, and this is in the individual and in the corporate, is to be yielded to his plans, to trust in his goodness. I've got here that pilgrims, journey people are comfortable in tents. They're comfortable in the temporary. Um, they don't like, you know, they're okay with it not being established in a sense. You know, our, our community, we've been incredibly... Um, looked after by God when it's come to facilities. And I was never into like, I never pictured us ever having a church building. I'm like, man, we're a missional people and just going to meet in homes and be all over the place and do whatever. And then God provides this a property for us to use for free, to, to be set up and just any crazy craziness. I'm like, okay, Lord, and, and we'll do that. And so, and we you know, set it all up how we wanted to and uh, did lots of cool creative stuff in there. And, and then just in the middle of the year, God opened up an opportunity. Again, wasn't on our heart, wasn't on our mind um, to uh, move to uh, another incredibly, like a 10-acre property. It's an old campsite with multiple facilities on it. And uh, it's crazy. And literally, like we are, we're a small church community in one of the worst suburbs in Western Australia, um, and God just keeps providing craziness. But it's the thing of where, like, wow, this is not going to be convenient for us. We're not looking to be this big, massive, influential church. We're not looking for fame and fortune and those sorts of things. It's like, man, this is going to cost us a lot, but that's where God is taking us. And I know there'd be a whole lot of churches, even in our city, in our region, that would have been praying, would love that. And, and I'm like, I don't know why God keeps doing it. But I have a feeling it's something to do with the fact that we've just said yes to him before he's told us what he wants to do. So we yielded, which means we're trustworthy because we're not going after something that's going to benefit us. But we're happy to go wherever he leads. And 
you know, God, he, we've been intense in a sense. Um, you know, we've met in a primary school. We've met in different places, but he just keeps establishing us. But it's as part of that journey that he builds that confidence and trust. So I've got a few things here um, about families, that families are concerned about different things than factories are. And these are some of the things that I feel that families are more concerned about. So families value sustainability over productivity. And we find that with the people in our community. We're okay with people not doing stuff if they're on a heart journey, if they're on a healing journey. So we go without. You know, we might go without musicians. If someone comes into our church and they're an amazing, spectacular musician and they've got a wounded, broken heart or they've got some pride or they're struggling in an area similar, like, we're not going to use you here. But we, we love you enough to say no to you and say, let's get you on the heart journey. Let's get you healed and whole and restored. And maybe after all of that, you won't even want to play drums because it was only coming out of performance orientation or some desire for acceptance or the platform or pride or whatever. We've got amazing musicians in our church that have never been involved in the music team. And I love that because they're like, I don't need to be because I'm free in this place. But we want to take the long-term journey. So we're like, we're totally okay just to go slow in everything we do. We don't push people. We don't kind of push things forward. We don't do anything that we don't have the people resource or the financial resource to do. This uh, property that God has provided for us incredibly, uh, like a couple of million dollars, someone's bought it for us to use for free. Yeah, like... Like stupid crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to release that anointing upon you guys. But just like stupid crazy. Like, and it's like this is it just crazy, crazy. And I'm not saying like we didn't fast and pray. We fasted and we prayed, not for a building. We just fasted and prayed because God said to fast and pray to be a yielded people. But it's like this is just, it's just incredible stuff uh, that goes on. But, and we're in this place like, okay, Lord, and we trust that you'll provide what you need because we're not going to step into this place. But, you know, God has brought the right people into our community. He's provided uh, for us in that way. But we always want to say we're going we're gonna to be about sustainability over productivity because we want this family to last. My heart as a, as a, a leader of our church community is never to have anyone in our church burn out. I don't want anyone in our church community to ever do anything that they don't want to do. But too often, and I knew for me, I didn't grow up in the church when I became a Christian man. I was so performance driven and I found acceptance in doing and so I would burn myself out constantly just trying to please everybody and trying to tick all the boxes and have a successful ministry in that kind of way. But man, I'm so thankful the Lord set me free from that. But I want to have a place where like people, yeah, and we have it all the time. We get people that come and they're, they're, they're involved in a ministry in some way and they're just like, I just can't keep doing it. And I remember one time before a conference um, we had a new family join the church that had been around for a few months and she had a really amazing hospitality gift. And it was like fantastic. And we had a conference coming up. She's like, I'll do all the catering for them. We're like, wow, that would be amazing. So fantastic. The week, I think it was a week or two before the conference, she goes and has some prayer ministry, some inner healing. And what comes up in that prayer ministry is that she's performance oriented and even her hospitality gift she was just using to find acceptance and love and all this sort of stuff so she comes back from that and she's like I'm really sorry I can't do the catering for the conference and we're like why not she's like because I was only doing it because I was performance oriented God has healed me so I'm free and we're like hallelujah 
Like, we'll, I will starve in order for you to be free. But that's kind of what it looks like in a family, like when people go through their journey and they're free to do their journey because God is on it. Now, it's not just free, like, I just do whatever you want. You know, we're, we need to have the values where we're committed to pursuing the things that God has for us. So we're, we're moving forward together. We're supporting and encouraging. It's not about laziness and kind of whatever, but it's taking those external kind of pressure parameters off us. So we're not forcing each other into molds to be something that we're just not yet. So families value internal growth over external growth. So in a family, we measure external growth, but we don't attempt to create external growth. External growth happens as a byproduct of healthy insights, healthy internal. So you imagine with a child, you know, we, we measure our kids if, you know, if my... If my eight-year-old, you know, was, was, you know, only this tall, we'd be like, okay, there's something going on here um, that's maybe not healthy that he's so small. I mean, we've got tall kids because we're both quite tall, but uh, I hope that's, that's probably all the sugar or something, but, um, but you know what I mean? So we, 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 we measure and we go, okay, so that's, there's some measure of health, but our focus is on their internal health. We don't try and create our child our children to be tall or create them to be you know more than what they are but we focus on you know healthy eating a healthy heart healthy inside healthy mind you know growing and, and educating but sometimes again in the church we can get caught up trying to build the external trying to build more of this and bigger that but we forget about actually the internal. And this is part of, I mean, the reason why we're here in Sydney and why we're, we love the whole heart revolution message is because it's this taking this focus off the externals of the church and focusing on the internals, which is the people of God and the hearts of the people of God and getting those things healed and restored. I believe there's enough churches in our nation to see revival and transformation of every community. But the problem is they're filled with broken people and broken leaders who aren't seeking the healing of their broken people. And so then we get stunted and we think, well, we've got the money and we've got the resource, we've got the buildings, but we've got a whole lot of broken people. And that's what my heart is about. I'm like, man, I want to see, I want to see just the churches that we've got, I want to see them restored. I want to see the people that are getting wounded, like people get wounded by leaders, of churches. People get wounded by pastors. It's like that is completely antithetical to the whole idea of what the church is about. The church is supposed to bring healing and restoration and be life-giving. And yet it's often in the church we get so many people that come and join our community who are just burnt out, broken by the church, let alone you know the, all the trauma of life and, and child and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm passionate about that. I don't know if you can tell. It's important as a journey, people, that we focus on the journey that we're on and not the destination of where we're heading. I've got here, enjoy the moment. Vision can create a vacuum. Vision is good. Having, having a big perspective of oh, this is where we feel the Lord is taking us. But vision can create a vacuum where it sucks the air out of the season that we're in. And we live constantly in the next, what's the next thing that God's doing? And we miss out on actually enjoying the moment that God has us in. 
because there is so much to mine out of our season. There's so much to learn. There's so much to enjoy, enjoying one another, enjoying the season that you're in as a community, going, looking around and being like, this is great. Like, look at what the Lord is doing. And wow, there's hardship, but there's always good stuff. I love that scripture in Romans, you know, it talks about, you know, God is working out all things for the good of those who love him. Can you imagine where we'd be without that, like, one Bible verse? (laughs) Spoken to me a lot of times. I've held on to that one. It's like, well, it looks really bad right now, Lord. But that one verse in Romans says you're working out all things for my good. So I'll, I'll kind of trust and lean into that. But it's so important that we know, okay, this is where we feel like we're going, but we're going to enjoy the moment that God has us in. Another thing about families is a family shift with the seasons of life. So God is a God of seasons. In the natural order, we see that, you know, summer, winter, autumn, spring. God just moves things in seasons. And I believe that as a church community, God takes us through seasons. He takes us through seasons of learning. He takes us through seasons of intercession, through seasons of development. And this is what we've had to, as a, for our church, just being really comfortable in letting God teach us something, maybe for a long period of time. So he might take us through like a prophetic season, and it'll all be about just learning the prophetic and getting pressing in deeper to that. We had last year was intercession. So probably a year of development of intercession. But it means that if people come along and they're not, kind of understanding that we're part of a family that are on a journey they're kind of like man you guys is all you talk about is intercession like surely there's you know let's talk about something else can we do it's like well we could teach on something else but this is what God is teaching us right now this is the season that we're in this is the journey that we're on Um, and so we've had different seasons like that in our community but we've learned to embrace the season and go, well, Father, if this is what you're teaching us, we want to milk the most that we can out of this season. And we're okay with that. You know, we, as a church, we've never really pursued kind of uh, lots of outward evangelism, uh, in a sense, probably because we've just struggled to care for the people that we've got uh, and love them well. But we trust that God will, and when the time's right, kind of open those doors more. But our church has grown, and we've done no evangelism. But he's drawn the right people in and, and he's connected the right people. And, and our heart really is to send people out to be missionaries. Like, go and love your neighbors. Go and love the, you know, the person who packs your groceries. Go and you know, love the person at the service station. Like, just love on the people around you. Love your people, the people at work. Don't invite them along on a Sunday. Invite them over for a barbecue. Like, do that sort of stuff where we just become, like, normal uh, as Christians. Um, yeah. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing in, in the seasons of life that um, we become content just to go where God is going. And we can rest in the plan and the purpose that God has over us. You know, God stays the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in a moment, he is only going to reveal part of who he is to us because we can't actually contain the fullness of God. We can't understand the fullness of God. And even in uh, Ephesians 3, it talks about the, how the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers in the heavenly realms. Like there's something, this manifold, many-folded, multifaceted wisdom and reality of God being displayed through the church. But it's taking those moments where God, you know, exposes part of his character and his nature to us. And we're not trying to cover everything at every time. 
But we're just going, well, God, this is the season that we're in, so we'll, we'll journey that with you. Is this all right? It's good. All right. It's so hard coming to a community that you don't know because then you're like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to be good for you guys, but hopefully there'll be something. So uh, in a family, our role is faithfulness and God's role is fruitfulness. John 15, verse 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So again, as the church, our role is to be faithful to God, not to be fruitful for God. That we try and measure the success of a ministry based upon how many people maybe come on a Sunday or how big the offerings are, how big the building is, or all of these external measures. And yet God is looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for people who reflect the nature of Jesus. And so often in the church, we put that aside and we promote people all that I'm sick and tired of hearing of international Christian leaders falling morally and just having these disaster moments in their life. And yet all along the way, people that have been pushing them forward, oh, forget about your character. Don't worry about your heart. Ah, oh, your marriage will sort itself out. You know, like, and all this, but it's this toxic kind of culture and celebrity thing that gets created. And we think that that's success because you've got 10,000 people that meet on a Sunday. I've, I've met leaders who have led churches with thousands of people. And then within a few months, it's all gone. Because they were complete jerks to their leaders or you know, just all sorts of craziness that goes on. But our role is faithfulness to God to be faithful to the journey that he has us on, to let him do the, the work in our heart to form us into the likeness of Jesus. This is my next one. Families do heart connection. Connection with God and connection with one another. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, we, we kind of can get that bit, yes, and righteousness. Seek righteousness. That's the all of the righteousness of Christ being formed in you. Like we are called to be a people that embody the very nature of Jesus. I often say to people, Jesus never wore a what would Jesus do bracelet. Like he didn't have to ask himself, well, what am I supposed to do? He lived out of his nature and he was the exact imprint of the Father's nature. And our role is to our job in life, being a disciple, is to become like your master. So our whole life is all about having the embodiment of Christ formed in us. That I naturally live and act and speak and do what Jesus would do if he was living in my body right now. But we've got to pursue this stuff. This is the heart journey, essentially. This is how my shortest summation of what the heart journey is, is Christ in us. Christ being formed in us so that my heart is literally transformed to have the heart of Jesus. And too often in Christianity, I think we, we avoid unrighteousness rather than pursuing righteousness. We try and get rid of all the really bad stuff in our life that if somebody saw, we'd be really embarrassed about or ashamed about. You know, and that's often what it is. It's like, stop doing that. 
don't do that, no more of that, do more of this, don't do that. You know, that's kind of the, and we, we try and strip all the bad fruit off the tree of our life. But God's saying, no, no, I don't, I don't just want you to come to the middle ground. I want you to run after the fullness of Jesus. Pursue righteousness. Go after it with all of your heart, with all of your life. And as a people, then we do that journey. And man, if you want to come to our church and be part of our community, it's going to be really uncomfortable for you if you don't want to do the hard journey. And we're not going to shove it down your throat. We're not going to put any pressure on you. You're just not going to be able to live in that kind of environment without people asking you questions about your heart. And I love it because we see people radically transformed, years of dysfunction and brokenness. You know, people, just amazing. And especially I love the men who were, and they're like men, men, you know, like manly men. And I remember we were at a birthday party for someone and there was me and three other guys from our community. You know, we've got a bobcat driver, a carpenter, you know, a, a lawn mowing guy, like, you know, just rough kind of ready guys. And we're all sitting around talking about our hearts, talking about what we're journeying through. I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> so good, like amazingly weird, but this is so weird. But that's the thing, when God opens up hearts, it's, it's for everybody. And it's really, really fun. Another thing that families do is families understand covenant. And covenant pursues connection above correction. Covenant pursues connection above correction. Families do confrontation. And the health of a community is not measured by the level of conflict, but by the level of conflict resolution. Relationships, you're going to have conflict. Stuff's going to come up. You're going to say dumb things to people sometimes. You're going to be rude and, you know, that just stuff sort of happens. But what we do to fix that problem is more important. So we do confrontation a lot in our church community. We just confront stuff. Even if we feel like, I think that person offended me. Hey, are you offended with me? You know, you know it's like, hey, we're talking. Oh, yes, so-and-so said this and, oh, just made me so angry. Have you talked to them yet? Well, no. Okay, well, you go, can, when are you going to talk to them? You know, we do. It's Matthew 18. You've got a problem with someone. You go and talk to them first. If it doesn't work out, you bring someone else along. Like, we just do that in a big way because disconnection, number one, I believe, number one strategy of the enemy to destroy the body of Christ. How many churches have split and broken and closed doors because of really like just silly little relational things? People get offended. So confrontation without connection leads to conflict. So again, if we're not doing that family journey, we're not pursuing saying, my heart is to be connected with you, to value that connection above all other things. So then when I, but if I confront you when we don't have connection, that's where conflict comes out. But if I'm like, I love you, I am for you, and you've gotten to know that, and the environment of the church is like, these people are for me, and then when we pull stuff up, and we have people that's like, man, I've been Christian for 30 years, and I've never been confronted on some of these things. Or we get people that's like, yeah, no one's, why has no one ever told me that? Have you ever felt that sometimes? It's like, you know, it's like when you got like a booger on your face, and you do the whole day, and then you ask like, oh, you got some booger on your face. Like, oh, great, how long has that been there for? Hopefully it just, you know, dropped out when I'm walking through the door. But it's like, you start like, nobody said anything to me. You know, why? But we get that with our, sometimes with the junk in our life. And we're too concerned to, to bring stuff up because we actually don't care enough about people. 
I know people that have maybe been an alcoholic for many, many years of their life, surrounded by Christians, and yet no one had the guts and no one had the, enough love to actually pull them up and say, you're being a jerk right now. And you need to deal with that in love. But, but we've done that and we've seen the breakthrough on people's lives. Because they're in a safe environment and they can be confronted about those things. I've got here, go to war for connection. The enemy doesn't even need to bother with a church that doesn't pursue connection and reconciliation because it will destroy itself. It'll eat itself alive eventually. You know, I know um, uh, Tim and Deb sharing even about going after some like rejection issues and heart issues. Like these are these big things that like when people carry a rejection wound, they will find some way or some reason to feel rejected. They'll find, you'll find a way. If you've, got, if, you've got a, if you've got a rejection wound in your heart, you'll find a way for people to reject you. If you've got an offendable heart, you'll find a reason to be offended. But again, for our community, we're like, offense is your responsibility. That's my saying. Your offendability is not my responsibility. If you're offended, it's not because of something that I've done. It's because you've got an offendable heart. Go and deal with your offendable heart and then come and talk to me in love about what I did that upset you. But I'm not going to take, I don't take the blame for anybody else's offense. And we know that in our community, it's like you're offended, go away before the Lord. Say, Father God, I'm offended because there's something in my heart that's allowed offense to come up. So Father, I repent of my offendability, deal with my heart, search my heart, Lord. Okay, thank you, cleanse me. All right, now I've, I've released that. Now I can go to the person and say, hey, just want to let you know, when you did this, this is how I felt. And I just wanted to let you know about that. And we can say, oh, I'm so sorry that I I'm so sorry that I made you feel that way. I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry that that was your experience. But you take offense out of the equation, and all of a sudden it's not volatile, it's not toxic, it's not going and talking to every other person about it to try and build a case against the person. Like this is the kind of stuff that goes on in the, in the church. It's got to stop. I just got, I got no time for offended people. I'm just over it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying anyone here is offended, but they might be by now. I don't try and offend people either, by the way. I'm not, I'm not on, a, on a mission to stir that up, but... Uh. You know, as a family, we're all pioneers, like as a community. So, number one... As a community, as a family, you don't know where God's leading you fully. You might have some sense. I think at best we get a trajectory. I think we're kind of going like that way somewhere over there. Is that, is that north? Oh, no, we're going that way then, you know. Like we've got some sense of, of where we're going. But every journey of a, of a church community is a pioneering journey because this group of people have never existed at this time in history, in this place in the world, with this, you know, different gift sets and anointings and callings. This has never existed before. This has never existed before. So you are a bunch of pioneers on a pilgrimage journey to wherever God is leading you to. So all of that sense of unfamiliarity is can be normal 
But it means that if we're not pursuing that family dynamic, we're not pursuing connection together, we're not locking arms and saying, I need you and you need me. We need each other to do this because, you know, even these guys were like, we got some sense of where, you know, prophetically where God's leading us, but it could look totally different than the picture even he's giving us. So we're all pioneering. We're all working our way through it. We're all figuring it out. Nobody has the monopoly on revelation apart from God. And he releases a bit here and there to us so that we live in trust. So it's important that we're then we're comfortable in the unknown. We're comfortable just to say, Lord, I know I'm called to this people. I know I'm, I, like my heart is connected with this tribe. My heart is connected with these people. And again, if your heart's not connected with these people, it might be because God is forming that in you. I'm not saying you have to be. I'm not, you know, we're not going to lock the doors and wait for you to get it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be something where it's like, I'm not, I'm not just here because, you know, it's, well, they, it's, you know, it's hour and a half. It's close to home. It's, you know, it's air conditioning. It's like, it's, it'll do. And it's like, no, no, like I'm falling in love with these people. Like that's one of the distinctions of our communities that people like genuinely love one another and they're genuinely for and they will lay down their lives and they will fight and they'll pursue and they'll go after that. And that there, that becomes like, and we got each other's back. And that's a defense mechanism for any attack of the enemy to try and sneak in. And we're open and honest and we're raw and we're real. But trust is the key. And unfortunately, trust is only known when we are forced into the place of vulnerability. So we can say, oh, well, I trust this person or I trust that person or I trust God. But it's actually when we are vulnerable, that's when we know that we really trust. It's only when I have to trust God that I discover whether I trust him. It's only when I have to trust people. But it says we do that journey together into the unknown as a pioneering pilgrim people that we're going to go, I just, I got to trust. I got to lean into these people. And if you struggle with trust, again, that's in your heart. That's a heart issue that you get to journey with people. You get to find that. You get to find love. If you've got a, if you've got a rejection wound in your heart, then you get to be in a safe environment where people are going to love you into healing and into wholeness and into fullness. But it comes as we journey along. And finally, a pilgrim people, a journey people, a family, they're an intercessory people. So as we yield to God's journey and leading, He can shape us and use us to fulfill His plans and purposes. He does in us what He wants to do through us. And this has been a big part of us as, for our church community is really learning like, God, do in us what you want to do through us. Like form it in us, shape us, mold us. We're not just saying, okay, so we got a place and we got some chairs and we just want to fill those chairs. And then when we fill those chairs, then we'll get more chairs and we'll get more people. And we're just going to get people, put them through the, the ringer and more salvations and get them saved and get them, you know, pray for them and do, do all that sort of stuff. Like just through the machine, pumping them out, pumping them out. And look, oh, look, 10 years time, we've got 100 people that have been through the machine. And we've got, it's like, is, is that really what Jesus came and died for? If it was, he, Jesus was the worst disciple maker on the planet, if that was the case. Because when he died, handful of people. 
But what did he do? He invested his life into 12 men. Only 11 of them made it. And obviously there's the three who are really close. But what he formed, the DNA, the culture, the heart, the connection, the depth that he formed in those guys that he spent three years with went on to multiply to be this revolutionary force in the world. The church is losing its place in culture. And I'm okay with that. Because I don't think the church was ever meant to have that place in culture. From a kind of control and hierarchical place. Because Jesus talked about it. He talked about the leaven of the kingdom. And he said, beware of the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees, which I understand to be the political and the religious spirit. Where it's, you know, we've, we've lived for, for generations thinking the church should be in the power position. Everyone should come and say, we've got a moral issue. Let's ask the church. And the church will set the framework for that. But see, the kingdom of God is like leaven that gets woven into the bread. It gets kneaded in the values and the culture of heaven that spreads through. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. You know, and I'm not going to get into any sort of conversation about the whole same-sex marriage um, thing. But we can say, oh, look, you know, we've lost the vote. Or, you know, if we're voting for, for no to gay marriage and we lost the vote. And, you know, where's the influence of the church? We've lost it. The fact that... Our nation even raised the question to vote for such a thing is a display that the church has lost its kingdom influence. Because that's a value that's been pursued. And yet we have, the church hasn't done its job to infiltrate the culture with the values of the kingdom, with the righteousness of God. We've been so caught up trying to build bigger churches and have more successful international ministries and we've forgotten what it is for, for people to be formed in the likeness of Jesus and to go and live as missionaries in the world. And I'm getting on to another subject that's not in my notes and I'll hop off my high horse and send him away. Can I pray for you? Is that all right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray that you would um, release into this community, Father, the, the gold and the treasures that you've led us to mine, Father, all the way over in Perth, Lord, the, the ways that we've just laid down and said yes to you when we haven't known where you're leading us, God, just the, everything that you've poured out into us, Lord. Father, my heart is that that gets released, Lord the words that I've said or, or anything like that, Lord, just that you would release in this place, God. I'm not talking in this building. I'm talking into this family, Father. The heart that you have for your people, your desire to transform orphans into sons, your desire to transform sons into, into fathers and mothers in the kingdom, Lord. Your desire that your heart and your nature would be embodied in the church, Lord. I just thank you for these people here, Lord. And I pray, Father, for those who are maybe just trying to find their place or find their feet, Lord, that if this is the family that 
you have for them, Lord, they would feel themselves being knitted in, Lord, their hearts being knitted in, Father. And Lord, for those that you're going to bring into this place, and they will come and they'll connect and they'll be like, this is my home. Because they'll connect to the hearts of the people, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for this family that you have on a journey, Lord. Just a bunch of pilgrim pioneers saying, where to next, Lord? We'll go wherever you want us to go, Lord. We don't just want to do what's been done before. We want to do exactly what you have for us, Father, because whatever you have is the best thing for us. It's the best thing for our community. It's the best thing for our nation, Lord. Is this to be a people that say yes to you? And Father, I pray as well, Lord, just a, a release of that anointing to heal the hearts of the broken, Lord, to heal the woundedness, Father. Lord, even for, for, for some here, Lord, who might be, they've done a journey of just being wounded, even in the church, God, where their trust has been broken, where expectations haven't been met, where words have cut deep, where there's just been getting let down, Father. But I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come right now and just begin to heal those deep wounds, Lord. Help us not to run away from the pain, not to run away from the, the healing that you want to offer us, Lord. And I just thank you for this community, Father. I thank you for what you're doing here, Lord. And, and Father, I do also want to just pray into that, uh, the prophetic picture that I felt like I saw in worship. And um, I just saw like a, a glass ceiling over this place. And like in, in an aquarium, and you're kind of in the tunnel, and, and there's the you know, water above you. And I just saw like Holy Spirit just kind of hovering, hovering. And then I saw each person had like a broomstick, and they were all holding up their little glass ceilings. And I just feel like um, the Lord wants to lift off a limitation uh, that's been put on you, but that you've come into agreement with. Like there's like just maybe some measure even individually that you've come together and then corporately there's been some sense of a limitation put upon this house, upon this community. And I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, when I, when I break through, I'm going to come like a flood. Um, so be prepared for that. But Father, I just pray, Lord, a lifting off right now in Jesus' name, Father, a lifting off of those false limitations, God, a lifting off of those glass ceilings, Father, a releasing, Lord, even where we've, we've kind of been holding it up ourselves, where we've come into agreement, Lord, we come out of agreement, Lord, with limitation. We come out of agreement, Father, with those false limitations that people have put upon us, God, but we come out of agreement, Father, to no longer walk in those ways and to say, Father, whatever you have for us, Lord, it may be far bigger than anything that we could hope or dream or imagine. And I promise that it is because that's what your word says, Father. But we say yes to that, God. We say yes to that, Lord. We don't want to run ahead of you, God. But Father, we trust that as we yield to you, you'll take us to those places, Lord. And you'll take us together to those places. And we just say, Holy Spirit, when you're ready, yes, come, Lord. Come like a flood crash into this community, Father, in a new way, in a fresh way. Thank you, Father. Amen.